The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, brought to you by The Athletic UK. Oh, what a difference a couple of days makes, eh? It was only, you know, a few hours ago that we were watching free-flowing, goal-scoring Fulham put four past Birmingham and St Andrews. And then, yeah, what a stark difference. HMS pissed the league, blown slightly off course by a smash-and-grab victory from Reading. It was, just, it was just a very frustrating game start to finish, I think. You know, we couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, as my dad says. And, yeah, it just goes to show you need to put your chances away. But um, joining me to commiserate in our group therapy session with we've got the one and only AF morning George you're right yeah very good thanks mate we've got Dan Cook hello George and a rather bleary-eyed Jack Kelly how are you doing sir I'm okay how are you oh good how, how long has it been since you just woke up five minutes oh there we go that's what we like to hear so he's gonna be full of beans as per let's hope that you know the, the analysis can can perk you up a bit but as always we're going to kick things off with some three-word reviews Dan would you like to do the honest please yeah, uh, as usual with defeats, it was uh, it was a busy one. Uh, we had over 150 on Twitter. Um, I think it was quite a cathartic one for people yesterday. There was a lot of frustration coming out, particularly aimed at the uh, referee, uh, who is ludicrously named Steve Martin, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was certainly doing quite a good Inspector Clouseau impression yesterday afternoon as well. He was a joker, um, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so we'll start off with, we had uh, FFC Victor, one I quite liked was Ovi and Out. Um, with uh, over your bag in two yesterday. Very good. Patrick Brown with rightly, royally rumbled. We love a bit of alliteration. Fulamato with the royal rumble crumble, um, <laughs> which I, I also enjoyed. D binge with the simple Waitrose Derby woes. Our own <laughs> Richard Solbamba with ruthless to toothless. Uh, and finally, Keith with the simple but effective. Another frustrating Saturday. Indeed, it was a, it was an incredibly frustrating Saturday. I mean, Fulham started so well. I thought we looked really lively. We were at the we were like greyhounds out the traps. I was starting to think, here we go, nice routine victory. We had plenty of movement. We had fullbacks overlapping, Robinson making runs, wingers finding space in behind. We were creating chances. I think ultimately it was a game of missed chances. It, it felt the opposite to the Birmingham away game. AF, you were sat on the halfway line. Just how frustrating was that game for you? Well, the whole game as a whole, not very good at all. Very frustrating, as you say. I, I totally agree that when we started off, I, I always get this kind of feeling. There was, I think it was the best atmosphere pre-game that I felt, at least in, in the stand I was in. There was so much anticipation for the game. And, you know, we kind of came out of the blocks and I thought this was going to be another, you know, 3 4 niller. I, I could just see everything going our way. And it started to kind of crumble away from about 10, 12 minutes onwards where we kind of, we had a couple of chances early on. Bobby had his chance that he put obviously over the bar for that amazing chalibre through ball. But it, it started to feel as the game went on, this isn't going to be our day. And obviously that was compounded as soon as Reading scored on 18 minutes. I think it completely flattened us. And I, th- I think that's something obviously we'll come on to today. But as soon as we can see the goal, we just seem to go completely flat and have no plan as to how we're going to overcome that. Yeah, it's frustrating. And it's, I mean, we're starting, are we maybe starting to see some old habits from the sort of Scott Parker era creep in again? And that once we find ourselves a goal down, we just, just run out of ideas and, and teams just seem to have the number on us. Um, AF, you mentioned the, the chances that Bobby Decker Dover reads. Yeah, two brilliant chances, you know, one on one with the keeper that he, that he spooned over the bar. 
then another open header, Mitro hitting the bar at the death. Jack, do you think if those goals go in, this is a completely different game and, and we cruise the victory as we did against Birmingham? Yeah, I think um, those chances were huge. They came at good times for us as well. Um, if we had gone into the break level, happy days, that would have been fine. I think we, we would have maybe controlled the game and, and go on to win it. But look, I'm looking at the stats here and we had 25 shots to their eight. And we've seen games like this before. Um, last season, or sorry, season before last, uh, Reading at home on New Year's Day, 2-0 down, got a goal back. Bristol City at home, 2-0 down, got a goal back and then should have had the most blatant penalty in added time. It's games we've seen before. It's very, I wouldn't say repetitive, but when you're chasing the game at 2-0 down, you do start to come very panicky on the ball. And so performances like Seri were dropping. Uh, Caviero will get onto was just absolutely dreadful. Um, and I think that, yeah, those, those chances... If they were put away, we would have been in a better position. We got caught in the counter-attack uh, and two very, very good finishes from a very good player in Ovia Jaria was the difference. And and from there, we couldn't really recover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned the goals from from uh, Jaria, Dan. I mean, I just thought they were fantastic goals. Could you argue maybe that he was given a little bit too much space for the first one? Do you think we should be closing him down a bit? Yeah, I think it actually it showed where we are going to potentially struggle this season, especially if we don't have Harrison Reed in that team, um, because we've come up against another team like Blackpool who had willing and direct runners. So they had Halilovic, they had Ajaria, Hoyler, Deli Bashiru. They were all keen to get on the ball and run through the heart of our midfield. And that's the issue that you can have with Seri as your deepest midfielder is that he doesn't offer the same qualities as Harrison Reed off the ball. And so in those moments, that's when we were most exposed. And then you leave your back four with a really tricky decision. You know, I think we see a lot. I think Dennis Adoy, a lot of the time, his preference in defending is to back off. And sometimes that can be the right option. But I mean, when their player with potentially the most quality on the ball in Ajaria, when you give him that sort of space on the edge of the area, you, you are asking for it and it was a fantastic finish um, but it is a, a highlight so similar goal to what Bowler scored for Blackpool it's the same sort of issues yeah I, I, I thought exactly that there were definite comparisons especially for the second one where he you know spun on a on a sixpence and put it put it in the bottom corner I mean the Reading keeper I think credit where credit's due Southwood had a, just a phenomenal game I think he he kept us at bay he, he, he stifled crosses he, he had that blinding save from Josh Onimer at the death that you know would have would have brought it back to two all. Uh, in comparison, Gaza, I think you made some very good saves early days, but as you say, there was that comparison to the goal that we conceded at Borough. And AF, do you think that we've maybe discovered a, a chink in his armour in that they, it, he's so tall and he's such a commanding presence that if there's a quick taken shot low in the corner, he just doesn't have the ability to, to get down? I, I think that would be being a bit harsh on Gaza. I, I think he's actually... Overall, he saved a lot of what he should have done. And I think with that with that chance, it was right in the top corner. I don't think many keepers are getting there from that one. I think the, the lower the lower shots maybe he can get to. And I think something's been called out by a lot of people I've seen um, around me is that he makes some saves look harder than they are. So like sometimes if they're you know, at a normal height, he kind of dives for it a little bit in a way that maybe he's doing it for the cameras. But when it comes to the low shots, I, I don't think he's been tested enough and he's not letting a significant 
enough portion of goals, I think we can judge him there to say that somebody else would be better. I think he's been very good from a lot of the the one-on-one situations that he's been in as well. Um, he has saved saved us on a few occasions. So I think it's a bit too early to judge him on that one um, because he, he's not letting in a, a whole bunch of goals. I think it's actually mm. his defence in front of him and that is actually making him face some more of the difficult shots. So I totally agree in that if Harrison Reed was there, we might have had, you know, when Dennis Adoy backs off, you've got someone in the midfield clipping at their heels constantly that doesn't give them that space to be able to take those shots. Um, so I, I think we really missed him yesterday. Yeah, I think we'd have, I would agree on the too early to to throw too much criticism at Gaz's way. I've been impressed with him by and large, and I think we've got a very good keeper there. We'll come on to Cav uh, for obvious reasons, but one player I just wanted to uh, ask your opinion on their performance on Dan was um, Harry Wilson. I thought he was very quiet and wasn't brought into the game anywhere near enough. He's shown over the course of the matches that he's played so far just how important he's going to be for us this season I think he's our most potent creative outlet and um, I felt like he he went missing for a little while yesterday Yeah he did and I think the disappointing thing as well is that it was a game that was crying out for a moment of his brilliance that maybe only he and that side can provide you know that just that one moment of of, of quick thinking, uh, a little dinked ball in between their defensive lines, or just just a, a cracker from distance that we know he has in his locker. Um, but I think you also do have to give credit um, to Reading because they knew our threats, and where a lot of teams have defended quite narrow against us, I'd say, and, and allowed us to exploit those wide spaces, and then allows Harry Wilson to pick up those little pockets of space in and around the area. He didn't have that yesterday. And I think that's where we need to work out if teams are going to play like that against us, how do we get our key men on the ball? Because it was a little bit of a throwback yesterday watching Tosin and Tim Ream just exchanging the ball between each other. You know, Seri and Chalaba had a lot of time on the ball in the middle of the park, but it wasn't. there was no progression from that. So I think this is where we need to work out how we're going to play against teams who are going to play this low block and mm. how we're going to unpick them. And it's, it is about getting our key men. And we do have creative players in that, that front four yesterday. And look at someone like Bobby Reed. He's someone else who I think is actually perfect in those situations, in those tight spaces, but we just didn't get them involved enough. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I'd have to agree. Jack, you mentioned stats in your uh, point earlier. So silver post game said the stats are there. It was clear for everyone that saw them, but the result was there as well. In football, you can have a lot of possession. You can create so many chances, but if you're not clinical enough, it can happen. So just a quick look at the stats. You mentioned 25 shots to Reading's eight. We had five on target, 66% of the possession. The XG of 3.23, which is high enough to make George Singer's trousers twitch. Um, <laughs> does Fulham's lack of composure in front of goal concern you, Jack, or was it just a bad day at the office? You know, you were at Blackpool. People uh, mentioned our sort of lack of creativity and put it down to sort of jet lag and international mm. fatigue. Do you think that perhaps it could run a little bit deeper than that? No, I'm not too concerned because the chances will come. We have enough creativity in that midfield and up front. It's just a bad day at the office. You know, we missed some big chances. Those free headers, we know we hit the bar. Very, very fine margins. Queen's Park Rangers had 26 shots yesterday, which is more than us, and still lost to Bristol City. This is the championship. No one in the top eight, apart from Bournemouth yesterday, won. So I'm not panicking at all. Uh, well, a lot of people are on Twitter, um, but it's one of those days. <laughs> it just happens. And it, 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 it's a 46-game campaign. 
and you're not expected to win every game. It's very difficult to have a three-game week and play consistently 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. It happens. It doesn't happen. It can happen, but it didn't happen uh, this time around. I'm not too concerned at the fact yeah. that we created so much and didn't and only scored one. I think it's just down to good goalkeeping and just being unlucky. I think Jack's spot on in the sense that we could be very doom and gloom about this, but it is important to remember that I think if we come away, if the, the game was played exactly the same way and we win that two or three nil, no one bats an eyelid. It could mm. easily have transpired that that's how the game went. You know, the second half, that was their only shot, that Ajaria goal. That was all they offered in the second half, Reading. So I think we've created enough chances to win that game. You could maybe argue that Yes, because of uh, the, the scoreline, oh, Reading deserved it. But really, when you boil it down to what happened on the pitch, we could have won that game quite comfortably. And I don't think there is a need to panic. Unlike after Blackpool, where we offered very little, actually, we offered quite a lot yesterday. You play that game 10 times, nine times out of 10, we you know we win and it goes in our favour. It just, just wasn't our day. And I think that, yeah, we need to put everything into perspective. HMS Pista League is still very much on course. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you go into the season, you see us like absolutely dispatch teams like Huddersfield and, and, and Birmingham. And you think, right, we're, we're on for the, the all-time records for the championship. We're going to win every single game. This is going to be blinding. And then you, the games like this is a reality check. You're like, this is an incredibly difficult league to get out of. You know, we're still there or thereabouts. We're playing well. Let's, you know, just put things into perspective a little bit. So AF Munoz got off the score sheet. Yeah, it was fantastic to see him get a run out and like, you know, get his, get his first goal for Fulham. I was chatting to Sammy about him when he arrived and I was asking him what kind of player do you think he'll be? And there was comparisons that have been drawn to sort of young Ronaldo, you know, uh, who would otherwise be known as fat Ronaldo, very powerful, very direct runner, fantastic finisher. Sammy seemed to think he's more of a similar player to Mitro than a lot of people have given him credit for, but I thought he looked very lively, offered us something different. How do you see him slotting in, slotting into this team? You know, there's a certain glamour associated with Brazilian signings. Silva said on his first goal, you know, he's important. He's got the ability to score. The team needs to create more from out wide because he's strong in there. Uh, apparently, he also picked up a knock, uh, which is a little bit concerning. For the last 10 or 15 minutes, apparently, he couldn't run. So he made a big effort, which kind of shows his desire. Do you see us, you know, given his, his sort of uh, fitness and, and if he's fully fit, final cylinders, do you see him as a regular starter for Fulham? Where does he slot in? I think it's a really difficult one to fit him into our system at the moment. But how he came on yesterday is, I think, where we'll see him more this season, more as a, a secondary striker in those situations where we need to make those overloads in the box. Um, I was really pleased for him to get his goal because as soon as he came on, you could see his desire to get on the end of everything. I think it's a it's a bit of a baptism of fire to actually come straight into English football in your first games is, you know, Blackpool away and then Reading at home, both playing low blocks. So we're effectively going to have to lean towards, you know, the the, um, the aerial part of his game. So we haven't really seen him running in behind. We haven't really got to see what he can do against a team where we're really on the front foot there. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him in some of those games. Um, but I think where we'll see him more this season will be that second auxiliary striker. Now, this was a role that whilst Bobby looked like he was in the 10, he wasn't really playing in the 10. He was actually playing as a second striker, but he wasn't really offering as much as what we needed because everything was coming in from uh, you know wide areas as crosses. And really, it was either Mitrovic or nobody. And often they missed as we'll come on to. Um, but when Meniz came on, uh, I think it gave Reading more to deal with in, in the box. And we noticed that from the goal as well. You know, Wilson's cross from the back post 
comes across and Mitrovic is on the back stick, able to head it back. And, you know, Miniz is there for the perfect header in between their defenders. But it gave them more to think about. So I really am looking forward to seeing him get his fitness up, get a little bit more used to, you know, the football that we are playing. He's not been here very long. Um, maybe he gets a run out in the Carabao Cup, as, said, as we said, if his knock wasn't too serious. If he gets, you know, a couple of minutes there, he's only going to get better in that role. I don't think we'll see him start too many games unless Mitrovic hits, you know, a, a real dip in his form and we could start to see him maybe replaced there uh, on occasional games. But I think most of the time we'll see him as a second striker when we're trying to break down teams that are sitting quite deep. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very privileged position to be in when we've got such a plethora of attacking talent yeah it sort of begs the question like what is our strongest attacking lineup if you've got a fully fit squad and uh, it was inevitable that we'd, we'd have to I hate to be too negative but we have to come on to the performance of uh, Cav I think that it was a a very <laughs> lacklustre display I think his decision making on the ball was terrible Dan when you've got so many people that we can choose from in our arsenal you, you kind of feel like he must be pulling some amazing stops out in, in training. But I mean, I, I can't see how you can justify starting him in his current form. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a pain for all of us because it can sometimes be infuriating when you see what's going on in the pitch and you fail to see how the coaching staff and the manager can't see the same thing. And, you know, it was the same under Scott Parker, but, I think when you look at the options we've got, yes, we've got a couple of injuries, but I, I think that Niskan Scabano is really, really unfairly treated at the moment in this club. Mm. And he was again two years ago and the season before where he seems to offer a lot when he comes on and his ability to take on a man and his ability to be a little bit more direct, put a ball into the area. I think that he's being really uh, unfairly treated because I don't think Cavalero is, is showing at the moment any reason why he should be playing a full 90 minutes and I think it was even made even worse by the substitutions that came yesterday when you thought okay this is the one where Cam's going to be whipped off and instead we get Niskins playing at right back um, so it was um, yeah it was it was a painful one yesterday um, and it, I think it's made worse as well by sometimes he does things where you think oh hang on yeah he is a good player and he showed it at Wolves and he showed it at Huddersfield this season uh, that there is a good player in there but it just doesn't come out often enough. So inconsistent, mm. isn't it? I mean, I remember there was there was a ball, I think, went out. I think it was from the right-back area. Might have even been Tosin played it through. And I was thinking it, it went through to Caviero on the left wing and he takes it down perfectly with a Berbatov-like touch. And I was thinking he's one of the only players in this team that can do that, cut in, and then also hit it straight into Rose Ed. But you know that all three things are going to happen. And it's every time that he was out, you know, in an isolated position, you're thinking, do you know what? He's going to be able to deliver something here. He's got plenty of time. It's almost when he's got too much time that he actually thinks about things too much. And his decision-making is atrocious. And it has mm -hmm. been for Fulham. And I totally agree with Dan that Niskins Cabano's decision-making in the smaller amount of minutes that he has played for us seems to have been better. So, if we are picking between those two, I'd be saying Cabano probably gets the nod, but he must be something good, doing something good in training. I actually thought, you know, he must have some, you know, compromising pictures of Scott Parker or something to be getting into the team. <laughs> but now he's getting into the team with, with across multiple managers 
there must be more than what we're seeing on a match day. I just think that generally, and this isn't just a, a criticism of Cal, this is in general, the, the quality of the, the crossing, the deliveries were terrible yesterday. You know, you got you got two very sort of domineering presences in Muniz and Mitrovic in the middle there. And the, the, the quality of the ball was just terrible. And you just saw time and time again, it get mopped up by the centre-backs or, or, or put over the bar. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on, put it behind us. We'll be back after this short break with some of your listener questions. Welcome back. It's the Fulhamish podcast. I'm joined by Dan Cook. Hello, George. Hello, mate. AF. Morning. And JK, who's perked up significantly. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm actually quite hungry. I should probably get something to eat soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be a good idea, you know. Cool. So we're going to move on to some of your questions now. Thank you very much for everyone who got in touch on Twitter. We're going to take the first one. This one's for you, Dan. This is from Thomas Ryland Jenkins. Uh, despite yesterday's loss, I couldn't help but notice that this team was still positively trying to go forward and score goals. I'm still in disbelief of that save by the keeper. I think alluring to us. Southwood's save against uh, Onomo at the death. Something I must say I did not see under Parker. Is that due to this level or Silva's improved mentality? What do you reckon? I think it's it's a little bit of the two. I think that they are two very different managers, Marcus Silva and Scott Parker. Um, and I think that Marcus Silva very much has a philosophy of, of playing dominant football which is, I think, something so refreshing. And I think under Scott Parker, it, it, he, I think he started off with this idea that he'd like to be a, a nice, positive manager. And then I think pragmatism got in the way last season. Um, but in fairness to him, and you know, I, I have been very critical of Scott Parker at times, he has changed up the way he's playing with, with Bournemouth, and that must be said, and they are a threat now this season. But I think it's just that Marcus Silva has seen the attacking qualities we've got in the side, and he's seen that we can unleash them and that if we go into games trying to dominate them, in general, we will outgun most teams because of how good we are. And he's got the tools at his disposal to play this football. Um, and yeah, it wasn't great yesterday at times, but this is there's, there's a definite progression happening here. And I think we're heading in a good direction. And it will just be interesting to see that if we do make the step up, how he then looks to play at the next level. That will be obviously the real test. Mm, I think that the thing that I'm hopeful for this season is that I'm still very confident that we're going to go up automatics. But how beautiful would it be, say, if we secure promotion with a good month before the end of the season, mm. just to give us that buffer, that extra time to put in some preparation. You know, the, the past two seasons that we've gone up, we've obviously been via the playoffs and we've just been left with our, our pants down, essentially. It's like, you know, the feeling that you haven't revised for an exam and all of a sudden it's tomorrow and you're like, shit. Mm. Whereas if we could just have that buffer, like really get some <laughs> points on the board, like crack on, that should be our motivation more than anything to give us a really decent crack at the whip. But, you know, t- time will tell, but how nice would that be, eh? Anyway, we're going to move on now to our very own Cam Ramsey. This one's for you, AF. So we've just been talking about Ivan. As everyone's rubbing his name in the mud, is it time to reinstate Cabano into the starting eleven? as he is actually a more beneficial option? If not, and this is the point that I want you to focus on, AF, because I know we've just spoken about Cabano and what he offers, is it worth testing Joe Bryan in an advanced capacity? If we're persisting to launch cross after cross into the box. Now, I I would like to see this. We've spoken. I spoke about it on the, the pod on Thursday with Sammy and Peter. He, I think, is by far 
the best crosser that we have in this team. I say, why not give it a go? What do you reckon? I've um, I've been hitting that siren for a little while, the Joe Bryan left wing siren, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still on that bandwagon. My reason for it is that we haven't actually seen it yet. Um, and I'm not actually sure whether it'd be best with Joe Bryan at left back and uh, Anthony Robinson further forward to be able to stretch defences. But I do think a left-hand side of both of them being in the same team would be worth trying out. I'm assuming, um, obviously not confirmed, that he got some kind of knock because he wasn't on, even on the bench for yesterday because it would have, obviously, the game yesterday would have been perfect to bring him on and say, do you know what, we are putting so many crosses in the box. None of them are any good. I wonder, wouldn't it be great if we could put, have somebody that can cross? Joe Bryan would be first on the list, really, um, from our side. I would love to see him play at left back, uh, sorry, left left wing or left back just along the left side so we could get those overloads in. But it does leave us with a bit of a predicament in just, if I, th- I still think our best front three is Mitrovic, Bobby Deckard over Reed, and Wilson. But it's, it's actually the number 10 position that's causing more of an issue for us in the fact that mm. since Carvalho has been out with his injury, we've been trying to fill that position with different people. We've actually played three in a deeper midfield, but we've never really filled that 10 just yet. Which is why those players are, you know, uh, Bobby goes into the ten means that um, Caviero is playing on the left. I th- I think to actually solve the problem, we need to find out the midfield solution first. That's a, that's a very valid point. Do you think maybe we could try Harry Wilson at the number ten? And then we're left with who do you play at right wing, and then it's probably going to end up being Neeskins Cabano, or if they bring in Anthony Knockhart, I'm I'm not too happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out I'm out uh, okay so we just mentioned uh, Bobby Deck with Dover Reed and where, where do we place him this one's from Dale so everyone's on Cavs back but is he really any worse than BDR now uh, I'm, hear him out here club stats prove not much better between them despite BDR having played in the middle more often so so BDR 6.5k minutes 14 goals 10 assists Cav just under 6,176 minutes, 11 goals, 8 assists. Now, obviously, they're very different kind of players, but, I mean, how, how would you compare them, Jack? Well, Bobby Deacord over Reed. He, he can score goals. He's also got a good pace to get in behind. And he floats about. He can play in midfield. He can actually play deeper in midfield. He can play higher up in midfield. And he can play on the wing and up front. Very versatile. Whereas Ivan Caviero... I see the same performance from him week in, week out, wasteful, all literally just runs down the wing, puts in a bad cross and then just repeat. It's just, I don't think that Caviero should be anywhere near the team because if he wasn't good enough under Parker, he's certainly not going to be good enough under Silva. And I generally thought Silva would come in and get the best out of Caviero. And after Huddersfield away, I was like, oh, maybe he actually has done that. But, I just don't trust him. And, it, and in a team where you need to create loads of chances, put loads of balls in the box, he's just not the one. So to answer the question, Bobby Decord over Reed is a better option um, for me in this team. He creates more. Uh, yes, he, a lot of fans were getting on his back yesterday because he missed the chances. It happens. You know, strikers sometimes, or strikers or creative players sometimes have off days. He just had an off day. I would pursue, uh, persevere with Bobby Reed. But but Caviero for me, I think should be sold in January. You know, as we've spoken about, he must be showing something in training, and and we do see these flashes of brilliance. And if he if he hits form, I'm I'm all for seeing him. You know, the the, the Cav resurgence, the Renaissance. But you know, time will tell as to whether that happens. Uh, this one's for you, Dan. This is Sean Burdett. Why are Fulham so poor at coming from behind? Several managers haven't been able to address this problem, and to be successful, we need to be able to turn games around. Why Why is it? Why do you think? 
So I, I think it was touched upon after the Blackpool game on the pod. But I think one thing to first mention is that it's actually quite difficult to come from behind in games, regardless of who you are. You know, you go down in a game and it is actually quite hard to pick yourselves up and go and get a, go and win a game from there. You know, you, you have to at least score two and you're not going to go out and score two every week. Um, I think it's important to separate the issues here, though. I think it's you can't put down the problems we're having at the moment and coming from this season, which is isolated. It's only two games with the issues we're having under Parker. I think under Parker, the issue we had was that we just weren't scoring enough goals. So if we conceded, that was already bad news. Um, whereas under Marcus Silva, I think what we've seen is that as soon as it, the, the Blackpool uh, and Reading got a goal against us, it was retreat into defensive lines. Two banks of, well, I mean, Reading played effectively a bank of four and then a bank of five yesterday. Um, and it's really difficult to unpick that, um, especially as the game gets longer and longer, you start to get more and more desperate. Mm. And that's when we start to make sort of poorer and poorer decisions. It sort of spirals as we go. Um, so I think it definitely is a case that we need to find a way of playing against these teams because it's going to happen this season. We're a big target this season for teams and they will give that extra few percent to get a result against us because they know how good we are. Um, so I think that's first and foremost, we have to look if we can try and work out how to play against teams playing this low block. But I think we were very close yesterday to actually coming from behind. You know, we were close to coming from 1-0 down and we could have done that half time. And we were close to coming back from 2-0 down at the end. So I think it's coming and I think it is one of those milestones that Marco needs to tick off under his reign, which is coming from behind in a game and getting points. Um, but I have full confidence that it's going to happen. I think I don't think there's a massive concern here. And when it does happen, I think it will give us that confidence to do it again if we need to. Just needs to show the players that we can do it. And then I think we'll start to see us doing better from these positions. So next question, AF, this one's for you. From This is from our old friend C Hunt. Uh, won't dwell on that name too much. I love Adoy, don't we all? But with Tete injured, surely our best two fullback options are Brian and Robinson. Is it ridiculous to think that one can be converted to a right back? And then he does say, although I'm massively in favour of playing Brian in an advanced role, especially if Cab is the alternative, which we've already covered that plot. But what do you think? Is it ridiculous to consider converting either Brian or Robinson to a right back? So taking out the idea of Brian being a left back, let's say we didn't want that to happen. It's not inconceivable to think about him playing at right back we've seen it um, happen across other teams I'd probably say a good example is Kieran Trippier who, who um, jumps from left back across to right back and he does it fairly well overall Fulham haven't had a lot of success when we've had inverted um, fullbacks playing and I think we would actually have more of an issue when you think about further up the pitch because you've already got Harry Wilson when he takes the majority of his crosses already takes a step back. He pulls back onto his left foot and then he takes some of the crosses in from there. He did that for Mitro's goal as well. So if you've got both of them on the right-hand side with Brian doing that, then you're in a bit of an issue there in that they, teams can easily defend against that. They just know yeah. we're going to cut back in. And I think it makes us hard to defend against. That being said, um, I think that Dennis Adoy, I love the guy as well, but playing 90 minutes every single championship game at right back is going to absolutely knacker him out. And he's going to probably start to show worse performances as that starts to take its toll. So I think we need a solution in the right back um, position. Maybe that is players that we haven't even thought about playing in there. And maybe that's even the likes of Harrison Reed. Just seeing he, I know he played a, a stint at Southampton at right back. Maybe it's looking at other players that we haven't seen playing there already. 
and seeing if they can do a job. But I think if you end up with two inverted um, players on the right-hand side, they're all going to be cutting in too much and it's too easy to defend against. Yeah, very, very good answer. JK, we've got one more question here for you, mate. Should we have tried to press the running back line more? Seemed like they were absolutely hated playing the ball every time. And we have the players who are quick enough to force mistakes. Is this something that we should have utilised yesterday? Yeah, you could have easily said that. I mean, the defensive record from Reading is the joint worst coming into this game. Um, they conceded 17 goals in about seven games, which is terrible. Yeah, but if you have someone like Mitchell leading the line, you don't really want him pressing all game. It's going to tire him out. And you could have said that Harry Wilson and, and Cav could press as well, Bobby Reed as well in, in the hole. But um, probably just wasn't the game plan for us. And the game plan was to start fast, try and get all those chances in, which we did. But when Reading were on the ball, I don't really remember much from the game. Honestly, when you've had a few drinks, it's very difficult to um, concentrate on the fact that we didn't press. Um so to answer your question, I think that the game plan probably was working, but uh, we just couldn't take our chances, which is why we, we probably didn't get the result we wanted. Fair play. I think I was going to say on the pressing piece, I think the front three were pressing fairly well, but it seemed to be that, I noticed as well when uh, Meniers came on, we were doing some great pressing at the front, but as soon as they found that out ball, usually to John Swift in the middle, that was where we were missing the midfield pressing f- further on from there. So I, they could then you know, proceed forward straight through the pitch, meaning they'd got past already our front four players. So I think the press was working well. It just has to be from a whole team perspective. And our, our midfield, it is one of the problems of playing Seri, is that he's a very, very good passer of the ball. I think he can actually dictate play from a deep line position, but we need someone else in there who's going to be able to do that pressing. Um, and I don't think that the midfield mix of Seri and Chalobah necessarily did that justice yesterday against Reading's uh, midfield three. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to agree. And I think it sort of emphasises the importance of having a fit Harrison Reed in the squads and what he offers, especially in that midfield with Seri in it as well. So final question, Dan, uh, this is from Chris Collin. As we seem unable to shoot from outside the box, should we persist with Jedi and Dennis ballooning crosses into the stands? I mean, our game plan obviously was to get the ball out wide and, and, and pepper the box. But I, I do think there's something to be said here with our, with our lack of kind of direct attacking play through the middle. And we sh- maybe we should have been having some more, more pop shots from outside the box, try and work our way through the sort of like defensive line from a more kind of central perspective. Do you think that that was a sort of attacking, attacking plan that we should have utilised bit more yesterday when we clearly could see that the crosses weren't working? I think actually it, it would have been what Marco Silva was wanting them to do and I think we saw some similarities in the Blackpool game where he complained afterwards that we played too slow um, and I think Reading sort of we fell into the trap that Reading wanted which was because they offered us so much time on the ball Tim Ream and Tosin uh, were able to advance, you know, often playing within the centre circle, if not further mm. forward. And when they're not getting pressed, it's very easy for them to think, well, perfect, I've got time on the ball. I, I've got time to pick a pass. We'll, we'll sort of moderate the play and we'll build from here. And I think when you're actually playing against a team who is set up like Reading, I think we missed a trick in our first ball. Our first intention should have been a bit more direct. If you don't get the breakthrough there, then you can reset, you can recycle possession. And I think that's where Marcus would have been a little bit disappointed is that a lot of the time our first thought yesterday was just to to control the ball because we were given the opportunity to do so. Mm. Whereas if you compare it to Birmingham where they pressed heck out of us in the middle of the park, I think it was a, a moment where Seri and Chalabar were like, oh, perfect, we've got loads of time on the ball here. Let's see what we can do with it. 
Uh, and I think instead, actually, if we'd have been just that little bit more direct to begin with, it doesn't mean lumping it long or or going direct nonstop. It just means that you've got to be able to change it up. And th- they're going to be the most unorganized when we transition. So if we win the ball back, at that moment, the low block is at its least organized because players are out of position. By playing slowly, what we then allow Reading to do is set back up into their two banks and then it, it's much easier for them to defend against us. So I do think I, I don't think it was necessarily a fault of the game plan. I think it was just the execution of the game plan that was the issue. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. We've got the we've got the players of quality to have these the pop shots and fine space, you know, direct. And I mean, yeah, I think I mean that that sentiment sort of rings true for the the game in in total. You know, we said you play that game ten times, we win nine times out of ten. It was just just wasn't our day, gents. Just wasn't our day. And I mean, Lord knows there are going to be days similar th- throughout the rest of the season. So let's try not to lose our heads when you know it doesn't always go in the direction that we want it so uh, yeah thanks very much for everyone who got in touch with your questions we'll be back in a moment with a brief leads preview and then uh, yeah then it's time to name the pod and wrap up so we'll see you in a bit cool we're back i'm joined by dan cook hello george af hello and JK, how are we doing, gents? Yeah. Signs feel a bit perkier after the disappointment from yesterday. Oh, this, got smiles on those faces. This, is, this has made me a lot happier. It's group therapy that helps. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, let's look forward now, onwards, gents. And we've got a Carabao Cup tie with Leeds on Tuesday. Any, any of you going? Yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent! Full squads. I should certainly be there. I um have to admit, I'll be attending with a with a Leeds fan. So I'm I'm hoping he's one of my best mates. He's coming down for the trip. We'll be sat in the punt the end. So I mean, I don't they don't call it neutral end anymore. But I'm I'm praying that this one goes in our favour. I'm not feeling too hopeful to be honest. I mean, AF, do you think that we're going to be seeing a lot of changes maybe going into this? It's hard to imagine that uh, Marcus Silva is going to be placing too much emphasis on the Carabao Cup, but. What what faces would you would you like to see get a run out? I mean, in terms of faces seeing them get a run out, if um, Meniz hasn't got too bad a knock, I'd like to see him get closer to ninety minutes. The more football he can get under his belt, the better. I'd actually like to see Keener um, get the majority of the game because I think he had a a tough first game against Blackpool and he didn't really um, have the best of cameo appearances against um, Birmingham either when he came on. So I'd like to see him continue to get runouts. Um, Brian, if he's fit, 100%. But I'd also like to see what happens if we maybe play, you know, a, a bit of a different defence as well. Um, just keep those players on their toes. Uh, I'd like to see Mawson get a run out and actually probably rest Tim Bream because, again, there's only so many games that he can continue to play there. I don't know who we're going to see coming at right back, but please don't give Dennis Adoy another 90 minutes on, under that. That's going to tire him <laughs> out. I think the, the thing I'd like to see most from the Leeds game, though, is actually we need to maybe try and solve some of the problems that we've seen in the championship within that game as well. So if we're trying out um, who can we play in the number 10 position, let's try out a couple of different players there. Almost use it as a bit of a friendly. I know a lot of fans are going to hate me for saying that, but personally progressing in the Carabao Cup is nowhere near our priorities. So actually trying out those players to solve problems for the championship would actually be what I'd want to see Marco use that game for. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. And I wouldn't even be 
averse to seeing some some of the academy lads get a, get, a, get a start, get a run out. We've seen the form of Sonny Hilton playing for the under-23s. He's been on fire. He's a player who's very similar to, to Fabio and, you know, I, I, he could solve that, that problem that we have as number 10 or at least give us another option. So, yeah, I, I would, I'd be all in favour for the for a bit of a deep dive. And Dan, do you, can you, I mean, we know what we're going to expect from this, from this Leeds uh, Bielsa side. They're going to be high octane, you know, run the game to the death. Do you see any change? I mean, we'll obviously see a bit of a rotation in personnel, but do you see any changes in the way that we're going to set up in the in the sort of game plan and formation? I don't think I would expect to. Um, I think that there isn't much point in trying to bed a system just to play against Leeds in a game that we're probably not too bothered about winning. I think um, I from what we will see this season, I don't think we can expect to see too much different from us going into each game because... When you're a team that plays in the front foot, you, we are going to try and dictate the game as opposed to adapting for other teams, which I think is is, is pretty right in most situations. Um, so I expect that, and I think the right thing to do is to still operate with this 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, and get the players, the fringe players, the academy players, trying to fit into this same system so that when it comes to matches where they may need to come on or where we have injuries and we need cover, they know and have played in that system already this season. Yeah, I think that's a, a very valid point and one that um, multiple teams look to sort of implement when going into Carabao Cup fixtures. I mean, Leeds sitting 17th at the moment in the in the Premier League and you'd obviously say that their main ambition this year is for, for Premier League survival. Uh, Jack, can you see them playing a full-strength team? Do you think maybe they're going to be bringing in some, you know, resting some bodies, rotating a bit? Or do you think that maybe they're thinking, all right, OK, well, if we can secure Premier League survival, then maybe a cup run would be nice for our supporters. Well, what do you reckon we can expect from this Leeds side? Well, I can expect absolute chaos, uh, given their <laughs> starts. I don't know if you watched the game Friday night, but it was an absolute chaotic game of football um, and look Leeds the fact that they haven't picked up a single win so far this season they probably will prioritise the Premier League and I think I'm right in saying that the next game is against Leicester City I'm not I think that's the case um, on Saturday so what I expect I expect the Dutch winger Somerville to probably start he came off the bench against Newcastle and was quite good again like a fringe player who's been in the academy um, I'm expecting them to probably rest a lot of their players ahead of that big Premier League game. So this is a chance for us, but I don't think it's a game we're too asked about either. So I would imagine that we might see the likes of Tyrese Francois, Pajaziti, maybe, maybe Sonny Hilton, maybe um, some some more youth players. Marek Rodak obviously needs to come in as well. I'd like to see Stevie Sess play a right back. I don't think, Dennis, yeah, like you said, Dennis Adoy, again, just doesn't need another 90 minutes. I think Leeds will probably prioritise the Premier League and that's genuinely because of the start they've made to the season and the lack of points they've got so I think there's an opportunity here for Fulham but like uh, like we all said because we haven't uh, obviously because we lost at the weekend we need to bounce back in the championship I, I think it could be one that I don't know when the last time this happened it could go to Penns please yeah. know that late journey home <laughs> when was the last time we saw a penalty shootout at Craven Cottage where, or even Fulham involved in a penalty shootout I, I can think of the, the Carabao Cup fixture against Chelsea a few years back was that or no was that the most is there, has there been one more recently AF 
I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I remember the, the only one I've actually been at, even at Fulham, was I think it was against Bolton in the Carabao Cup absolute years ago. And I knew I was pretty young because I was, I was ringing our parents, can I even stay? I wish I hadn't bothered. <laughs> we, we played Burton Albion. I wouldn't be, but I mean, I'm speaking selfishly. I mean, speaking selfishly here because I've, I've only got a short walk back home. Uh, I haven't been living in Putney, so it doesn't matter too much if it goes to extra time. I haven't got to navigate the district line as uh, as I know is AF's favourite uh, favourite line in the London Underground. But I think why not? I think you would go into it as we said. There's not too much emphasis on it. Chance to embed some of our very exciting sort of uh, youth team players, and I think that it's going to be an entertaining match. And we should just go out and in, enjoy it and not play, place too much emphasis on the uh, on the result. But yeah, gents, thank you very much for your for your time. It's been a, it's been very therapeutic, as you said, AF. And it, you know what better way to to get over a disappointing result than to uh, chat over it amongst some friends? And yeah, let's not lose our heads. You know, it just wasn't our day. Smash and grab from Reading. What are you going to do? The season has uh, got plenty more uh, delights in store. I'm sure. The only thing that's left to do is to name the pod. Dan, would you like to do the honour, sir? I think we're going to go with Fulhamato's Royal Rumble Crumble. I quite like that one. There we go. Excellent stuff. Right, so uh, enjoy the rest of your weekends, uh, everyone. And uh, thank you very much for your analysis. Uh, the one and only Mr. Dan Cook. Thank you very much, George. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. AF, thank you very much, mate. Cheers, everyone. And JK, get yourself back to bed, son. Get yourself a full English. Big mug of tea. You'll be right as rain. Uh, I'll see you boys very soon. Come on, you whites. Right.